So I say to parents, like, you don't have to like your kid at all times or like the things that your kid did, but you got to love them. Hi, I'm Cosmo Calloway. And I'm Eliana Stanford, and you're listening to Full Steam Ahead. Full Steam Ahead is a student-led podcast where we talk with thought leaders in the STEAM field to pick apart their origins in order to further understand the motivations behind their accomplishments and the hopes that they can provide fuel for the next generation of STEAM students. Today we are joined by not one guest, but two. Cheryl Eskin, who is a teen mental health specialist and program director at TeenLine, as well as Tasha Bonnie, who is a teen mental health volunteer at TeenLine. Just for those of you who aren't aware what TeenLine is, it's a confidential hotline specifically made for teenagers. Specially trained Southern California teen volunteers answer calls, emails, and texts from their fellow teens. They listen and provide advice in regards to anything from abuse, depression, divorce, bullying, anxiety, and the list can go on. Our other guest, Ty, is heavily involved in our school student government. He's been a teen line volunteer for a little over two years, and he leads the Suicide Awareness Club at Buckley. But Eliana and I both know Ty as a close friend and hardworking student. And for those of the audience that might not be as familiar with teen line, some points to know are that the hotline receives over 21,100 calls, texts, and emails each year. More than 20,500 people attend their outreaches to schools and community groups annually. Their website receives more than 1.3 million visitors annually from all over the world, and they're fully certified by the American Association of Suicidology. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me today. Of course. And let's not forget about Ty. Ty, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I really am uh, happy I got an opportunity to talk about teen mental health. So Cheryl, how's your quarantine been? <laughs> Interesting question. I'm coming at it probably from a different perspective of you guys. Um, I obviously am program director at Teen Lines, so spend my career working with teens, um, but I'm also a parent of a 14 and 11 year old who's been home with me since March. Um, so it's been an interesting time, as I'm sure all of you can relate to. Um, so per- personally, it's been interesting trying to juggle um, work and life and homeschooling and, you know, hopefully, you know, and all of that. And then professionally with Teen Line, we um, shut down, or we pretty early on, um, before the actual stay at home order was in place, we decided it was safer to close our physical hotline. So we shifted to working remotely or virtually via Zoom, which was an interesting challenge as so much of, which I can say so much of the team line experience is all of us being in the same room together and having that shared experience. But what we really came to find out is we can do the same work virtually. um, And it was amazing to be able to still provide that resource for people. So it's been an interesting shift. We had about four months. We weren't able to take our own calls. They were routing to the National Suicide Prevention Line. But now, as about three weeks ago, we started taking our own calls as well. So um, trying to adapt, doing virtual outreach as well, um, similar to, you know, mm-hmm. what you guys are doing. So interesting, I guess, would be the word I'll, I'll, I'll use to sum it up. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that you guys have been able to kind of adapt and overcome. Um, I, I think I was personally wondering, have you noticed a difference in any of the calls or texts being made to Teen Line within kind of this quarantine time? Definitely. So one of the really heartbreaking things we've seen is our contacts about child abuse have really gone up, um, which you can imagine, um, but, you know, obviously it's a stressful time for parents um, and a lot of kids get a lot of support being in school. And so being underfoot all day can lead to a lot of parents 
child tension. Um, it's also some kids unfortunately don't live in safe places. So it's really heartbreaking to hear their stories and school may be a good buffer for a lot of them where they get you know, away or have resources or support. Um, and so not having that as much, that's been a big increase. A lot of loneliness, um, anxiety, depression, um, probably a lot of the things you guys are feeling and experiencing. And I think I see Ty nodding. Um, but I think the biggest challenge for our teens is, you know, we have a lot of teens who staff our hotline who've been through personal experiences themselves. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, it makes them able to relate even more. If they, you know, have experience with self-harm and they're talking to someone who's self-harmed, they really can connect. But that can also be hard. It's wearing to, you know, talk to someone when they struggle with things you struggle with. Now, during this pandemic, everyone's struggling with the same thing. So I think we've seen that in our teams, that it's really hard to be there for someone who's struggling with being home and anxiety about the world in the future when you're feeling the same sort of thing. So um, that's been interesting as well. Yeah, for sure. I can imagine that there are a lot of major effects on teen mental health, and you're saying it applies to everyone. Um, as a result, are you guys receiving more calls? Do you guys have to have more listeners? How, how are you guys restructuring? So I actually, um, we have a website where we sign up for shifts, and I've been noticing that we have a lot more observers now. That Those, uh, the non, you know, they don't do calls. They do texts and emails usually. And I think we're upping the amount of people that we have working because we've been seeing a lot of more, a lot more calls, a lot more texts, a lot more mental health uh, issues. And I'm actually very happy to see that because it's really heartbreaking when everybody's on the phone doing something and there's calls coming in that can't be answered. So like seeing more people and seeing more people get helped is like honestly just so amazing. And I'm so glad that we're able to have the resources and the support to expand this uh, organization. Mm. Um, Ty, could you actually on that topic, maybe talk a little bit about um, kind of how, what process you went through to become a listener on TeamLine? Yeah, yeah, of course. So obviously you have your interview process, that's the beginning, then you get accepted. And it is three months of very informative training where you're meeting at least two to three times a week. I mean, this was before the pandemic, so obviously we're in person. Um, and you know, you're sitting, you're just going through a bunch of different topics that will come up in call from suicide to just straight depression, from loneliness to child abuse. And I think the best part about the training process is that you have people surrounded, like you're surrounded by people that have been through trauma. They've been through some, some sort of, you know, hurt or pain in their life. And it's, it's a very supportive community. And what I love about, you know, the training is it's very extensive. You don't go into it feeling like you don't know what you're doing. You always feel prepared. And I think that's one thing I respect so much about, you know, the people that work at Teamline is they're very good at informing us on what we need to do. And then, you know, after you go through that three months, you become an observer. So you go from trainee to observer where you're sitting in the hotline room. You're not answering calls yet, but you have to do something called role plays. You have to pass 15 of them. And each role play is a different topic of, you know, prob some, uh, a problem where the um, people there, they're called resource assistants. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. They, they'll sit there, they'll do uh, mock calls with you with different problems to walk you through some things. You know, they'll critique you saying like, hey, like maybe bring up this, bring up this. And you go through 15 of those and it could be from child abuse, depression, suicide, all that. And I think once you go through that, once you're done, you become a listener. You start answering calls. And then, you know, you can do some texts. 
Oh, wow. So you guys kind of touched on how you, for a period of time adjusting to the pandemic, you had to outsource your calls to the suicide uh, prevention hotline. Um, and as I was looking on your website, I saw that you guys also partnered with Dee Dee Hirsch. How did this um, collaboration help enhance the teen line experience? Yeah, I can kind of, I probably should have been more clear on that one. So Dee Dee Hirsch was an amazing um, relationship with them where they are part of, there's a national suicide prevention lifeline and different cities and areas have branches of it. Dee Dee Hirsch is a branch of the, uh, or supports calls from the national suicide prevention lifeline. So as a hotline, because we're staffed by teens, we're only able to be open from 6 to 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, but obviously, those aren't the only hours that people have problems. So um, D.D. Hirsch, um, their suicide prevention hotline, which is a part of the National Suicide Lifeline, takes our calls after hours. So from 10 p.m. to 6 p.m. the next day, they traditionally will take our calls. During this period of time, we weren't able to take our own calls between 6 and 10. They were taking our calls 24-7. So 24-7 um, at all times when you call, you're going to get someone. It's just normally only within the four hours that you're going to get a team. So that's important to us that people, you know, feel like they have support any time, day or night. Because as you know, it's not like, oh, it's 10 o'clock. I can't be sad anymore, you know. <laughs> so, Of course, of course. Um, so Cheryl, what do you think first inspired you to become involved in teen mental health? And I guess, I guess this can be a question for both of you. Yeah, um, I actually was a teen line listener myself when I was 14. So um, just kind of crazy to think about now because I have a 14 year old daughter. So it's very strange to, you know, the whole full circle. But um, I think I always was that person who, you know, like was a therapist to my friends and people came to me for problems. And I really liked that. And so that's what drew me to Teen Line to begin with. Um, I spent my high school years there, which is pretty common. I mean, I started young as well. Like, pretty common when you start in ninth grade or 10th grade to stay your whole high school career, because it really becomes a part of you and like a family and just this community. So um, hard for me to know. Obviously, I grew up, went to college, grad school. I'm a marriage and family therapist. I don't know what's the chicken or the egg. Would I always have been a therapist or would I have, you know, be, am I a therapist because of Teen Line? Can't really say. Um, but done, worn all kinds of different hats. I came back to Teen Line in this role about 10 years ago. Um, so I guess that's, yeah, just always having a passion for mental health. I really like the teen population, um, just the energy, and, you know, passion and all of that sort of stuff. And really um, into, you know, decreasing stigma, just mental health awareness, and especially being uh, kind of my parent lens is a lot of even the best parents and well-educated and well-intending parents don't always know a lot about mental health or don't think it could be their child. Um, so that's kind of a passion of mine as well as I've gotten older is educating parents more about, you know, what to look like, what to look for in your children and, you know, how to communicate better with your own children. Yeah. So um, I grew up with, my parents got divorced when I was around six and it was a very traumatic experience because it was a very nasty divorce. And it, uh, it forced my sister and I to really become a little more mature at a younger age. We saw, we experienced some things that usually six or seven year olds wouldn't experience. You know, we, um, we dealt with a lot of problems and I think I was mentally so broken as a kid and I felt so just lost. And I think as I grew up, I didn't want other kids to feel that way. And initially I didn't think I was strong enough to do team line. I was like, nah, I can't do this. I, I'm too broken myself, this, that. And then, you know, the incident at Buckley, um, one of Cosmo's close friends, one of my friends, one of Eliana's friends, 
uh, committed suicide. And I think right then and there, once I got that news, I was like, I'm going to help people. I'm going to make sure that at least I can help one person because then I feel like, you know, I've done something. I think that that was a really big turning point for me that said, you know, I'm going to help. Cosmo? Yeah, what's up? I mean, listen, I know Elliot was one of your close friends. Um, you guys were friends for a while. I, I was curious, how did that affect you from, you know, years going? And um, well, that, that's a great question. I think I've definitely kind of had a long journey with, uh, with mental health and kind of figuring out, figuring out the best way to, to manage anxiety and, and even depression at times. Um, so like you mentioned, uh, my good friend Elliot Brabson uh, took his life on actually my birthday when I turned 14. Um, and then after that, about, let's see. Uh, and then, sorry, in 2017, my mom was diagnosed with um, acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And she managed to beat that, the trooper she is. But then unfortunately, to a seizure, she had lost pretty much all of her memory. Um, so that's including like, you know, uh, names of her kids and things like that. So it's definitely been a very, very emotional journey. Um, but it's, it's through resources at, at my school and, and outside like therapists and whatnot that I've kind of been able to, to um, better articulate how I'm feeling and learn how to properly express my, my emotions and whatnot. So um, I think it's conversations like these, the ones that we're having right now that are most beneficial, um, especially because this, you know, like you said, Ty, I mean, just in this conversation, you know, we got two different stories of people going through and, and trying to um, help alleviate some of the mental stress that they're having. So, you know, if there's two in this conversation, there's countless others in the world. So, um, uh, yeah, I appreciate the question, though. Yeah, and I think it's amazing, too. I mean, Teen Line in general is makes people real in a lot of ways. Like, people share, like, real stuff. Like, Ty's story is just real and vulnerable and true. And I think we, you know, form that supportive community where people can do that. And obviously, Ty's your friend, so he's able to find that comfortable space for you but I think what we don't always realize is how much other people have going on in their lives even people who seem really put together and like you know do well and you know all that kind of thing we all have a story for lack of a better so thank you both for being vulnerable and sharing that I mean that's tough stuff of course of course this is part of the process um and I guess on that topic of you know alleviating some mental stress that we're feeling um what do you think the best way is to take care of your mental health during quarantine Cheryl, you can start, then I'll go and give my... Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I think it's different. It's, I mean, I think when we all started this, we thought it was going to be a shorter term. Um, no one anticipated, I mean, maybe some people that I didn't anticipate it going on this long. The things we were saying early on, you know, are, you know, I don't know if they're as applicable now. I think what struck was, um, struck with me, empathy has been a really big thing. And like patience with yourself as well. Um, and I think grieving in some ways too. Um, I think obviously there are people with, who've had severe health concerns and even lost their lives and, you know, really extreme stuff. But that doesn't mean that the difficulties we might be having, like maybe, you know, you didn't get the graduation or you didn't get the good old prom or you didn't get those kinds of things, doesn't mean those aren't consequential. I mean, it, you know, it's so I think that's been a piece of recognizing because a lot of people think oh you know what they died and I can't go to prom and I these are totally different things I recognize that that doesn't mean you can't be sad at the same time so I think giving permission to feel has been a good one I think um hopefully um finding activities that can bring you some joy or bring you some gratitude to not totally sound cheesy um 
But I think, um, you know, I think that's been a lot of people I've talked to have found different things that they you know, never would have done before or even connected with um, people you don't connect with, like family members who live in other parts of the country or whatever, that all of a sudden in the Zoom, Zoom world, you're talking with more or things of that. So um, I think connectedness, I don't, I don't know, I'm kind of all over the place, but I think one of the things I've seen is how important connectedness is um, for mental health, just for life, just for sustainability. So finding ways to connect in a new virtual world, I think are important and taking care of yourself being able to admit, hey, I'm having a bad day. I, this is what I need to do for me or what I need to do to unwind and hopefully having people and resources to do that with. So I don't know, Ty, you could be more eloquent than I am. What would you add to that? I think you said it perfectly. I honestly think for, uh, it's different for everybody. It, you know, it, in broad terms, you can say something to occupy yourself with that you enjoy, a hobby you enjoy. Um, something personally I did is Eliana reached out to me at the beginning of this and she's like, hey, I'm starting a website. I want you to contribute. And, you know, that took my mind off a lot of the stress that was going on. You know, we were starting with APs at the time and it was nice to have something to uh, focus on and like, you know, cause school was ending. So summer was coming up and I think, you know, that was kind of the worst time for it to happen because we had nothing to do during summer. Like a lot of the programs got canceled. You couldn't really see your friends as much as you wanted to. So personally for me, I had that, you know, with some of my other friends, I saw them going out and playing basketball or playing soccer or like, Finding interesting ways to connect with, like Cheryl said, other people they wouldn't really talk to before, you know, on Zoom or playing video games or like, I started playing Minecraft and I never thought I'd start playing Minecraft, but I really enjoy doing those things. And I know a lot of my friends have too. So I think it's finding a hobby you enjoy. I definitely agree. Like Ty said, I kind of threw myself into this whole entrepreneurship thing. I, it was something I've always been interested in. And I find a lot of people are doing the same thing where they're, they always thought that they would do this, but they never thought they had the time. So I think that's really something that's super important to dedicate um, yourself to something, give something a little meaning. But on that note, I've always been very passionate about the intersection of mental health and physical health. So I was wondering if you guys could kind of touch on that and see if you guys witness any of that on your team line calls. I think a lot of the times, um, I mean, in different cultures also don't really deal with or talk about mental health or have as much education and awareness. So um, sometimes you see that, you know, and, you, you know, you see a kid presenting with like somatic symptoms, meaning like headaches or stomach aches or, you know, things like that. And they go to like maybe the pediatrician and there's no discernible cause. And I think some of the times it is anxiety or stress or just mental health concerns, whatever's going on in the home and they may not have the language to put that in there. Um, and I, but I do think in general, we still live in a world where to say I have a stomach ache is more acceptable than say, I feel really anxious and I don't wanna go somewhere. So I think sometimes, whether you know it or not, sometimes people know the stomach ache is anxiety, sometimes they don't know, but I do think, you know, we do see like the body, the body keeps the score is a famous book in general, but I do think our body deals with the stuff we don't deal with and it comes out in certain ways. And so sometimes I imagine Ty can speak to this more than I can, but I do imagine where there's calls sometimes where texts where people are reaching out, they're just not feeling good or like feeling good in their body and then come to find out that maybe this is related to something that's going on, like that mind-body connection, I think is really, I think is really intense and really powerful. Um, I think Cheryl hit a very large point there about uh, people's background. You know, there's some religion, I can recall 
getting a text about um, a person who was going through a lot of, you know, trauma in their life at school with their girlfriend, with their whatever, they were like, I don't feel comfortable talking about it because my religion doesn't accept it. It's in our faith that we don't talk about this. And I think that's something that is so sad because then that starts taking a toll on that person because it tends to be when someone bottles up their emotions, they try taking that out on themselves because they have no one else to talk to. And I think, unfortunately, that's where self-harm comes in. And I think it's really unfortunate because a lot of people just don't feel comfortable expressing. Their families don't let them express themselves. They're not at a school where they have a proper counselor. They can't afford a therapist. So I think the best thing about T9 is it gives people that outlet that they need. It's free. You know, they can call and they can have, they can get resources. I also just think a teen talking to a teen makes the person calling feel a lot more at ease. And I've always just noticed once they're having, you know, like mental health problems, they're like, yeah, I also, you know, I constantly have a headache or I constantly have a stomach ache. I don't want to eat anymore. Like, so they're very much so connected. In that way. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think Ty was so eloquent in speaking, but I think also it's, it's much more acceptable, like a broken arm, like you break your arm and everyone comes up to you and gives you sympathy and like, oh my God, what happened to you? Can I sign your cast? But if you come to people and say, I'm depressed, you don't necessarily get that same reaction necessarily. And, you know, hopefully the three of you would be amazing if not everyone's the three of you, so. <laughs> I think the stigma behind saying I'm depressed or I'm sad or I'm going through something is another thing that deters people from wanting to speak up. And I think uh, T9 being anonymous and people not having to be face-to-face -face or share that connection, like share that physical connection is what makes people feel more comfortable to talk about their problems. And I think that's what a lot of people suffer from is they feel that they're gonna seem weak to their peers or their teachers or their therapists because they have uh, depression or anxiety or an eating disorder, something of that. Right, totally. And I think, I think to be horribly stereotypical, I think it's even worse for boys in some ways to admit like emotions or admit feeling a certain, you know, admit feeling a certain way and hopefully we're getting better in that as a society but I still think that is even more stigmatizing for you know uh you know male to admit they're struggling or to express their feelings so mm. it's easier to express it you know through a body mm. and and for parents who might be noticing some of these things with their students um you know besides reaching out to, to teen line how can parents best help or aid their children when it comes to mental health and quarantine or just mental health in general I guess yeah, I'm a big believer in just really open communication. So um, talking about these things, I think even from an early age, um, and not necessarily in a pointed way, um, but just making it kind of part of the dialogue. Like if you read an article, or you listen to a podcast, or, you know, hey, I read about this today. Is this something, you know, I mean, is this something you and your friends see or you've ever seen before and trying to make it part of the conversation, um, I think can be, you know, one way to do it. I think also um, parents letting, um, expressing their own feelings sometimes. I mean, not to the point that the teen is taking care of the parents because we don't want that. But sometimes parents modeling, hey, I'm having a bad day. I'm going to go for a run because running can help when I'm stressed out. Sometimes doing some of that modeling stuff um, and hopefully being able to create a safe space where the teen can come to them if they, you know, if something is going on for parents to be able to have that space where they're not yelling and they're not judging and they're not fixing, where they're just able to, you know, sit and listen sometimes. Um, 
also a big believer in unconditional love. Um, so I say to parents, like, you don't have to like your kid at all times or like the things that your kid did, but you got to love them. And so I think making aware that, you know, it doesn't mean, you know, I might not be thrilled with what you did, but I'm going to love you and support you. I think those are really, you know, huge things. And I think being able to talk, if you're noticing changes in your kid um, or the baseline, you know, being able to bring it up as a concern, hey, I'm worried about you, what's going on? Um, also, they're trying to find some time to connect with your kid. Maybe quarantine, sometimes this has been good. I mean, some teens I think would become closer with family members. Some are all just going nuts and no one wants to be around anyone. But um, sometimes maybe there's a thing, you take a walk together, or you bake together, or you do something together. My son's been trying to get me into Minecraft high and I just don't get it. But yeah. trying to connect on something that maybe you both enjoy or that they enjoy or, you know, um, so. I don't know. Empathy. I said that again, like recognizing, even though it's hard for parents, it's hard for teens too. And that this, I mean, this is so hard for you guys because you're not supposed to be stuck at home with us. Like this is supposed to be when you're being independent and finding your own way and going out with friends and like having this life that has been very much like stunted at this point. So I think that empathy piece is really, you know, really important. Like, but it's okay to feel this way. You know, it's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be sad or, you know, all that kind of stuff. For sure. I think I can chime in with my own personal experience. My family has been so open. So um, always wanting me to go see a therapist because um, my mom has had amazing experiences. So I've been going since I was very, very young on and off since I was three. Um, and I found that to be an amazing experience for me dealing with anxiety, OCD, all of that. And I think I tell my friends I'm trying to be an advocate for it, trying to destigmatize the topic of mental health because I describe it as a massage for your brain, for your um, emotions. So what it is, it makes you feel good. Even if you don't necessarily think you need it at the moment afterwards, you always emerge feeling so amazing and so clear. And I think that's why I absolutely love the idea of teen line. And I know Ty touched on it expanding a little bit, but what can we expect from teen line in the future? Um, are you guys going to grow? Are you guys going to do some different things? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's an, inter it's an interesting time right now because um, one of the things of is we've always been limited by people who can come to our physical location and that's hard in a city like LA um, to get to us even if you live five miles away from us you know what five miles in LA can be like um, so um, in this virtual space you know is it could we expand could we have kids from a little further geographical area we're not quite sure of that but that's potentially um, one thing it has been really cool is we're doing virtual outreach right now so outreach is usually when we go to a school or like a youth group, someplace where teens are, and we present about our services and we have other specialized ones like mental health information. Now that it's virtual, we get to go out to places we might not have gone to and spread the word. So that's a huge thing for us, um, which is exciting. I also think Ty touched on, you know, before the quarantine, we have a bigger room so we're planning to expand and all those sort of things um but i think just continuing to um expand our expand our reach um social media we created a tiktok at some point in quarantine but we hear about we hear from teens all over the country so um we want to you know we're always curious how to, it's usually the internet's how they hear about us but wanting to 
how cool is it if a teen out in Wyoming hears about us and we can come do a presentation in their classroom and maybe destigmatize mental health. Um, so that's kind of a cool growing opportunity. I, I mean, I, I touched on this before. We had just expanded before this. We started getting more people in. And I, like I said, I, I was so happy with that because there, there were nights where I haven't seen it much on my shifts now, but there are nights before where there was constantly calls coming in and people were constantly on calls and texts and stuff. Um, the calls, you know, we just kind of got back into, like Cheryl said, back into doing calls uh, virtually. I know with this, we get a lot of texts. So I think more people kind of feel a little more comfortable with texts at the moment. Not too sure. I could be wrong, but from what I've noticed, I was taking like four or five texts at a time. Well, to wrap this up, thank you both so much for having such an amazing conversation with us today. Um, I, I can definitely say it was a super open dialogue. And uh, for the audience at home, be sure to check out Teen Line on Instagram and on TikTok uh, at Teen Line Online. And uh, feel free to call their hotline too if you're ever feeling like you need to. Yes, Echo Cosmo, thank you so much for being here and sharing your stories and being vulnerable and open to inspiring others. This was actually our first time having two um, guests on. So we really appreciate you guys joining us and working through this like new experience. I know this dialogue for sure inspired me to continue the conversation outside of the podcast. I hope this inspired the listeners at home to do the same. Thank you to our listeners at home for tuning in and we'll see you next time on the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Be sure to follow the Full Steam Ahead podcast on Instagram for the latest info on upcoming guests, as well as Q&A opportunities, where we take questions directly from our followers and pose them to our guests. At Full Steam Ahead podcast on Instagram.